Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo, the director of AGLCA. Today we'll be talking with Kate Payne and Tom DeBacco. They are not your average loopers, and we are going to chat with them today and hear more about their story. But before I bring in our guests, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. We encourage all of our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Let's go ahead and introduce our guests now. Tom and Kate, welcome to Great Loop Radio. Hi, welcome. Hi. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I really wanted to include you on an episode because I think your story is really interesting. Um, we really like to feature some kind of not your typical loopers occasionally. And many loopers are retirees because those are who has the time to do something like this. Um, so tell us, um, I believe you're both in your 30s, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us why at this time in your life, it was the right time for you to take on the Great Loop. Uh, well, um, so we we had just got engaged uh, last year in, in October, and uh, I guess the next step after that was uh, marriage and kids, and we figured, you know, it's probably best to do a great adventure around the United States before we have uh, uh, some kids around. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we just thought it'd be a, a lot easier, and, you know, we had, uh, we had a lot of the time, so we figured why why not and once we had learned about the trip it really uh, sparked our 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 interest in it how did you learn about the great loop uh, it's funny actually one of my friends was talking about it and he said you know and i said um no way i didn't know that you could actually make it all the way around the states doing that and he said yeah yeah i'm gonna do that you know once i retire and we're gonna take a year and and do that trip and soon as I heard about it, I kind of started looking into it. And um, the more I looked into it, I said, Hey, you know, Kate, why don't, why don't we do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, yeah, I'll do that. And, you know, we just kept taking little steps at, um, at it. And, and before you knew it, we we're uh, on our boat and leaving. <laughs> so tell us about the boat. What kind of boat are you traveling on? Well, yeah, so when we uh, when we first started thinking about doing the loop, there were a couple things that, you know, we, we thought of that, um, uh, I guess, some of the requirements that we had for a boat. Um, one of the things was, you know, we knew we were going to be using the boat a lot. A lot of people buy boats, and, you know, I would say average of hours to put on a boat is probably like 50, 50 to 75 hours per season we knew we were going to be blowing right through that. And, you know, not knowing what the gas prices are, we wanted to get a boat that was very efficient on gas, especially if we we're going to be taking, uh, taking the loop. So uh, we started researching what the different propulsion methods were. And um, we pretty much came up with, uh, with the one solution that's out there, which was Volvo IPS, which is the forward facing pods. Um, those engines get uh, just a lot more fuel economy than the rest of the engines out there. So as we're looking for boats, the IPS system was uh, 
I guess, a must-have for us. On top of that, um, I've been boating for a number of years now, but, uh, you know, uh, when, when you got a 20-knot crosswind, um, even the most experienced boater uh, can have trouble getting into their slip. So the, uh, the fact that the IPS also has that has that joystick was real important to us. We knew we'd be going through some hairy areas and going in and out of a lot of locks and just to be able to, you know, to be able to go sideways, uh, front, back, just by the tip of the joystick was really important to us. And then, you know, throughout the trip, I kept saying as we're going into locks, especially in the more crowded locks, I kept saying to Kay, I was like, wow, I couldn't even imagine doing this without having this joystick and without, you know, being able to stop on a dime and spin the boat and move it any which way I wanted to. Uh, really saves from a lot of headache, and you know you see as 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 you go into and out of these locks, you can see the different couples that are struggling to position their boats and get on onto the lines and and hold themselves there, and you know arguments can erupt. And uh, I'll tell you the the IPS system really really helped us out there and made it a lot easier for us. Mm-hmm. So the IPS system was a requirement for you. You ended up with a Bavaria yacht, correct? Yes, we did. And uh, so we looked at that, and, uh, and the Bavaria had uh, had the option of, of the IPS, so that was a great thing. And we looked at a, at a number of other boats that also had that system, but uh, we ended up going with the Bavaria because it had a three-bedroom layout, We um, uh, which was – we're on a – a 44-foot boat with three bedrooms, which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, we generally like having our friends aboard, you know, on on the weekends and, and spending time with them. And this really gives everybody, you know, a lot of space on on the boat. And there's uh, there's two separate bathrooms and and showers, so we really like that. Um, another requirement we had was was a sunroof, and we didn't really uh, we didn't want the Isinglass in the front of the boat like a lot of the uh, older models have. So this this has a full hard top with no uh no isoglass up front and and a sunroof that opens and allows all the air to come to come in. Mm-hmm. So that was important to us. Another small thing we were looking at was uh to have a cockpit seat that seated two people. You know, on our long trips when you're making when you're going, you know, four or five hours across the lake or something, we kinda like like to sit next to each other. That was an important thing. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of these boats just had a single cockpit seat, and uh, having that dual cockpit seat was important to us. So it it sounds like what we suggest to to loopers looking for a boat is kind of make a list of those requirements, and the rest is kind of compromised from there. So it sounds like you did have those requirements, and you found something that met that need, which is great. Um, tell we also stress that everybody's got to make the great loop their own trip. Everybody's got different cruising styles and cruising preferences. So tell us a little bit about your cruising preferences on this trip. You know, how fast do you travel? How many miles a day? Um, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess we're on the boat enough to to know that we don't want to be on the boat all the time because we are already on the boat all the time. So we generally like to get where we're going and then enjoy that area. Uh, so um rather than uh taking an eight nine hour day we'd rather do it in three hours and then talk the boat get off and uh be at happy hour um enjoying some some good food and drinks so uh 
we typically travel around 25 knots, which is which is the cruising for this boat. Um, and we, you know, there there are a lot of no wake zones in which we are going slow. But um, right now, we have been tracking the gas uh, pretty religiously, and how far we've been going with that. So we're we're getting very standardly, very very consistently about a mile to the gallon, which mm -hmm. is incredible. And that's yeah, at that's 25. Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. great for and the boat is. I think the boat is uh, it's 27,000 pounds dry, and we're uh, just over 30,000 pounds fully loaded. That's uh, mm -hmm. with the dinghy on the back, and it's uh, we're getting about the same mileage as the trawler is. And uh, on top of that, we've got the option of going fast when we need to if there's a storm coming in. Uh, take take for instance uh, our last little trip here. Our last trip we went from Sandestin to Panama City where we are now, there was some bad weather coming in, and we were just ahead of it by, I would say, an hour or so, but it was looking pretty bad in, in the background, but we got right out of the marina, and we just, we just went, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, within a half hour, we, we had out, outrun it, and we had made that jump, on a, on a slower boat, we would have, we wouldn't have been able to leave, we would have, mm -hmm. we would have been stuck there, so, right. it gives us and a nice drop. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, the ability to go to to go fast and escape weather gives us a nice option to do things. And you know, we're we're also about to make this crossing, which I guess a lot of the, uh, the trawler style boats take about 17 hours. Um, we're going to be able to do it in probably like seven, which is mm -hmm. good. I mean, um, I've never driven a boat at night through the middle of the night. Um, I don't think I want to. I guess I would if I had to, but I think me and Kate are both pretty happy that, that, we, <laughs> that we're going to be able to do it in the daylight. Um, I, I don't think that's you know, an experience we'd be looking forward to is that, that midnight crossing. It seems pretty scary. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of loopers, I think, are um, hesitant about that. Um, in the end, it turns out to not be a big deal if you wait for a suitable weather window um, because in the, in the darkness of night, even if it's a 20-hour crossing, you're timing it so that in the dark, you're out there in the middle of the Gulf, so there's really nothing um, to see, so you're not really missing much, um, and not much to run into either, and, and because loopers are all kind of hanging out in um, on the panhandle right now waiting for a suitable weather window, it's pretty easy to find a bunch of buddy boats to go with, but there are certainly people who would really appreciate having a boat fast enough to do it in the daylight hour, so that's definitely a plus. Um, for what you're doing. Um, well, we were so, actually wondering about this buddy boat system. We were saying, mm -hmm. okay, let's say we did go with a buddy boat and that buddy boat broke down. What do you do? You stay and wait for them or? <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty we're, much what we encourage is, yeah, if, if you're going to go with a buddy boat, really, you really need to be kind of committed to um, staying together if something goes wrong until you know that there, there's help for the other boat. Um, Usually works pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I so guess we, we were just wondering what the protocol. I mean, does, does you know does the one boat leave and go get help, or does the one do they both stay together? You know, we were just wondering how how exactly that system worked. Typically, guess, they'll stay together. Both, yeah. yeah, usually you're not outside. You're never really outside of um, radio contact, even when you're out there in the Gulf. Um, so it's usually not 
so much a matter of needing to go get help as it's more a matter of waiting for the help to arrive. And usually the boats will stay together until that happens. And depending on how far you're out, out you are, sometimes one can tow, tow another back. Um, so it usually works pretty well. You're never really out there completely alone. Um, so tell us where you started and you know that'll kind of fill us in. You're in the, on the panhandle now, that'll fill us in on how far on the loop route you've gone so far. Yeah, I'll let's take Kate this question. Uh, we started out of Baltimore in June, late June, I think on the 24th. So we went from Baltimore up to Montreal. We did a little side trip over to Toronto, um, then hopped down to Chicago. Now, obviously, we've come all the way down the Midwest and are here. So I guess we've been on the water five and a half months now. Mm -hmm. And what's been the highlight so far? Montreal was my favorite stop so far. Um, as far as like a single highlight, probably seeing the whale off of uh, Montauk, which was very early on in the trip. But mm -hmm. and so far as favorite ports, I really enjoyed Montreal and probably Chicago too. I don't think either of us knew. We'd been to Chicago before, but only on like a little weekend getaway sort of. Um, Tom had to go for a convention once. But anyway, once we were able to throw ourselves into the scene there, we really enjoyed Chicago as well. Yeah, Chicago was nice. Uh, as far as the big ports go, Montreal, uh, definitely. Um, Chicago, definitely. Uh, as far as the smaller ports go, Montauk, it's beautiful out there. Uh, it's an old fishing village, but really nice. Some really nice restaurants. Uh, another small port that was really nice, enjoyable was Killarney up up in the North Channel. Really nice little town. Some great, uh, great marinas. Some great hiking trails. Uh, beautiful rocks and everything to to see. Bears. We saw a bunch of bears there. Um, uh, where else did we go? Um, I think that I think those those were the highlight. Uh, mm -hmm. The highlights of it. Uh, we went to Mackinac Island, which was nice, a real touristy type area. Couldn't believe how many fudge places there were there. But <laughs> again, again, you know, we got to rent bikes there, and we did some mountain biking, and we biked around the island, and it was, it was, um, there were a lot of things to do there that we didn't ordinarily get to do. Usually, when when we're on our bikes, we're going to the store and stuff. Uh, here, we actually got. Got to go through the woods on some single track, and it was pretty exciting. It was it was actually Kate's first time on uh, right. <laughs> doing mountain biking, so she enjoyed well, it. Well, I'm curious, because you, you mentioned Montauk, and that's not an area that most loopers go to. So um, tell me about the route you took from Baltimore um, through New York and into Canada. Well, yeah, so so we went to um, – so we went – Let's see. The, we left Baltimore. Our first stop was Cape May. Cape May is beautiful. I don't think a lot of people know how nice Cape May is. Mm -hmm. uh, being that I grew up in New Jersey, I had the opportunity to go to Cape May several times, but you really have to get into Cape May proper to understand it. And I think a lot of loopers don't get there just because mm -hmm. it's a little further by bike. It might be about four mile bike trip, depending on which marina you're at. But Cape May is one of those beautiful, beautiful towns. Um, but that was our first stop. Our second stop was Atlantic City. Uh, also a great stop. We um, 
we got we stayed at the Golden Nugget there, which is uh, it's a casino that's just been totally redone. The inside is beautiful and uh, it was very reasonable. We stayed uh, we stayed there, then we went up to Point Pleasant, and then into New York City. Um, once we were there in New York City, we met a friend. I got a rear anchor that he brought that I had shipped to his house. And then uh, then we decided to go out to Long Island for the 4th of July. Um, Long Island's got a lot of a lot of fun things going, going on there. We stopped at Fire Island. Um, originally, we went inside uh, on the bay side of Long Island, mm-hmm. which is the southern side of Long Island. And that is quite a treacherous place to boat. Um, if you see seven feet of depth there, uh, you're, you're, you think you're pretty deep. Um, you know, even staying within all the navigational buoys, there are some places where you're at three feet, four feet. Um, there's actually a boat tow guy that just stays out in a, in a very specific spot, just waiting for people (laughs) to hit it. That's always a bad sign. Yeah, he just crawls right there. He knows, and you know we're we're on the radio with him, and he's like, "Watch this guy! Watch this guy!" He's like, "You're gonna see him." This guy was just coming straight through. He was on the wrong side of the buoy. He's like, "You're gonna see him stop immediately." Mm. Sure enough, boom, hit right in the sandbar. (laughs) Looked around, but he didn't get stuck. He had some outboards on there. He didn't get stuck, and he was back on his way. But um. I think if you can, if you're going to go out out to Long Island, which I I would recommend, um, stay outside if you can. If you go inside, just call the Boat US people. Mm-hmm. They'll kind of navigate you through. They they understand all the pitfalls there. And there's another okay. stop there, um, a place called Sag Harbor. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful as well. That's where all the all the really big boats and yachts go. You know, you see the two three hundred footers out there. Mm-hmm. Guess if you got a hedge fund in New York, <laughs> keep your boat. Sag Harbor, which is which is also a very beautiful place. So, right. so after you did Long Island, you um, went back into New York Harbor and headed up the Hudson from there. Yeah, we did, and you know we got some uh, some great pictures there coming coming through coming through New York City. Really impressive, just to see all the boats that are you know coming into that harbor and all the big buildings. And yeah, we went straight through there, right up the Hudson. Um, under the George Washington Bridge, which is, you know, a bridge that I've been over hundreds of times to go visit my sister in Connecticut. And, you know, I think a lot of people spend, a a lot of people that work and live around the New York area spend a large segment of their lives trying to cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was great to finally go underneath it. And the Hudson River was, it was really nice. It It was beautiful, it was fast, it was easy, it was deep. Uh, it was well marked. Uh, we passed uh, the West Point Academy on the way there. We stopped at that academy and we took a little tour there, which was real nice. And then uh, we kept going north, yeah. And uh, I guess the next stop after that was Lake Champlain, which everybody had told us, "Wow, you're gonna, you're not gonna believe how nice that is." And yeah, the water is crystal clear, beautiful. We stopped in Burlington for. Uh, I want to say about a week, which was a pleasant surprise for us. You know, we hadn't really anticipated going to Burlington. Burlington's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, lots of good places to eat, lots of things to do. Uh, we stopped there It was and got some beautiful sunsets. Lake Champlain is very nice. Like, I, I totally understand why people go up there in the summer now. 
So let's backtrack a little bit. So right now you are um, on the panhandle waiting for a suitable weather window for the golf crossing. What are your plans for the winter in Florida and beyond there? Okay, so our plan right now is to do um, is to do New Year's Eve in Key West. Uh, we actually booked our first uh, first slip with uh, with Snag a Slip. Mm-hmm. Um, they are one of our um, commander level level sponsors, so we appreciate their sponsorship. Yeah, uh, so that's that's worked out absolutely great, and we're going to be there at a time where 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 I think it's going to be very busy, uh, but. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do New Year's Eve there in the Keys, and then we're gonna come back to Fort Myers, uh, spend a couple of days in Fort Myers, looking at uh, Sarasota area and um, uh, Marco Island and all that. We've heard that the boating there is absolutely beautiful. We have never been there. Um, and what are the other towns there? Uh, Naples, yeah, right. Naples and Cape Coral. So uh, we're gonna spend a couple of weeks there, and then we're gonna make our way probably back to um back to um fort lauderdale and miami area right around mid uh mid to late january um once uh i guess by late january we hope to make our first jump into uh into the bahamas probably over to bimini and then go to the top of the bahamas and work our way down Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate's actually been wanting to go see uh, the pigs in the Exumas for quite some time, so mm-hmm. hopefully we're there well, well before her birthday. And then we'll take the Bahamas all the way down and um, uh, end in Turks and Caicos. And hopefully, if things pan out, we'll be able and allowed to go to Cuba and maybe do Cuba on the way back. But we don't know; that's still up in the air. So when all is said and done, and you um, get back to Baltimore, how long? Will you have been gone in total? It will be just, it'll be right around the year. So I, I anticipate we'll be back in early June, early to mid-June, and we left probably late June. So it would probably be right around 50 weeks, I would guess. 50 okay. to 51 weeks, so almost exactly a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were looking at each other the other day, and we said, wow, we can't believe we're almost halfway through this. And, we, you know, we've got a lot under our belt, but, you know, we feel like we've we've had a, uh, you know, coming up the East Coast was a great appetizer. The Great Lakes were phenomenal entree, and now we get to do uh, the Bahamas as a dessert. And we're really <laughs> looking forward to that, you know, just the palm trees and the rum drinks and, um, you know, and the blue water. So it's it's just panning out absolutely perfect. All right, we are going to take a quick break right here and and listen to a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to touch on um, Kate's blog, First Mate Kate. And I also want to talk a little bit, because I'm sure everyone is wondering how you organize your life to do something like this when you've already, I realize that you've done it before children, which is certainly helpful if you're not going to take them with you. But um, work-wise and things like that and financing a trip like this when you're in your 30s is certainly a, a challenge for most people. So I'd like to touch on that if we can when we come back. Back in a moment. The new MJM50Z is the most technologically advanced production motor yacht available. First worldwide to incorporate a Seakeeper gyro stabilizer as standard equipment to virtually eliminate roll in waves underway or at anchor. And in June 2015, the first to include fully opening power windshields for control of fresh airflow. 
MJMs are unique in the industry, built of environmentally clean, stronger and lighter epoxy composites in the USA. Owner benefits are significant, a smaller carbon footprint with 50 to 100% better fuel efficiency, a top speed with optional triple IPS 600s of 40 knots and crews of 35 knots, a more responsive, enjoyable driving experience, and greater safety offshore. For more information, visit them on the web at www.mjmyachts.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio with our guests today, Kate Payne and Tom DeBacco, who are telling us about their Great Loop adventure. Um, Tom and Kate, as I mentioned before the break, um, you're kind of unique in doing this in your 30s. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you were able to organize your life to be able to take off for a year and do this trip. Okay. Yeah. So one of the first things we wanted to do was uh, was to make sure our house didn't sit idle while we were gone there. So uh, we've, you know, um, on the past couple trips I've taken for, for, uh, for work travel, instead of getting a hotel, we had stayed at an Airbnb and we had taken a couple of vacations and we had rented a house um, rather than staying at a hotel. And we thought that that was great. We did that through a site called VRBO. Also, um, I think that's uh, the same site as HomeAway now. Um, and we had just really enjoyed, you know, renting the houses. And we thought, you know, uh, maybe we could rent our house that same way. And, we, you know, living in Baltimore, it's not really a destination city for, you know, it's, it doesn't have a beach or anything like that. But um, we didn't know how many people would be interested in renting a house in Baltimore. But, um, you know, we started getting the house together and we removed most of our personal personal effects, locked them into three closets inside the house. and um you know took some pictures of the house and listed it and it's actually done very well so i would say it's been listed almost every single weekend um that we've been gone which really helps pay for everything uh actually on kate's blog there is a section called track our trip if you go through that we list um it's got pretty much a map of the united states it has it has the exact route that we've traveled it, which is how many miles in each segment we've gone, and then it also lists what the how much uh, fuel we burned and how much we paid for that fuel, and then we compare that, yeah, and then, mm-hmm. and as well as the dock fees, and then we mm-hmm. compare that those costs that we incurred to the rental income that we receive. So on most, believe it or not, on most weeks we end up winning. Uh, we end up making a few bucks. Um, and on some weeks we don't, but uh, being able to do that, being able to rent our house has paid for our, all of our dockage fees and our gas. Absolutely. So it's kind of been, uh, we've kind of been able to make it a zero cost game right, right now. Sure, and that's one of the things uh, I, I just really find interesting because I, um, and you know, some of it has to do with, uh, like I've said, you're kind of not the, the typical demographic for a looper, but I don't think too many of them have really thought about that option and that, it, you know, it can only, almost come out even once they've paid for the fuel and slip fees. So that's, that's really interesting to me. And I think that will encourage some other people to start exploring some different options for how they're going to finance their trip. Yeah, exactly. And it it uh it's worked out very very well for us. So, uh at first we didn't think you you know who would rent our house? Why would someone come to Baltimore? You know, people come for 
every reason you can think of. They're coming back to visit friends. They're coming for, you know, visiting someone in the hospital. They're having, uh, you know, they're coming for a bachelor party, a bachelorette, or they're a wedding. They're in town for a wedding or graduations or, you know, there's just a thousand different reasons why people come in off football games, Army-Navy game people are coming in for. It's just, you know, a lot of different reasons. You can't really, you know, uh, anticipate why somebody might rent your house, but people do. And I think it's really catching on. I think a lot more people are using those sites, Airbnb. And uh, one of the things we did to our house, we kind of automated a bunch of stuff. So uh, we put a door lock on there that we can change the codes to. So uh, I just pull up an app on my phone. When we have a new renter coming in, I provide, I create a code for them. And then I text them what the code is and they have their entrance. And then when they, um, when they leave, I just go in and I delete that code and that code will no longer work on the door lock. So that's a very easy way. And then uh, you can also set up lights in your house to all be connected to the same system. So you can look, see if the lights have been left on and you can see like if there are doors open and all this stuff that, you, you know, might keep a new uh, home renter up at night. Um, mm-hmm. But you can just check in on your house and see everything that's going on. So there's new technology out there that kind of works hand in hand with being able to rent your house and gives you a lot more peace of mind while, while you're not there. And work-wise, um, tell us about that. Did you leave your jobs or are you working from the boat? Uh, well, so um, I started my career in IT. I worked in, I worked as a consultant for, uh, uh, for Booz Allen Hamilton and EMC for, for a few years. And then uh, I left that. IT job and computers to open a car wash um, with two partners. Uh, we opened a car wash and um, that's been doing very well for us. And one of my partners runs that car wash full time. Um, so he's there every day and he draws a salary for that. And uh, uh, me and the other partner uh, have, I guess, different things that we do, but um Mostly it's up to the main managing partner to to run the car wash. And uh, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't really require my daily attention. Right. Well, great. Let's also talk, we're kind of short on time, but let's talk for a minute about um, Kate, your blog. First Mate Kate, um, because it's, it's a great blog and I highly recommend that people check that out. Um, tell us why you decided to blog about the trip and how that's been going so far. Um, I would say Tom was the motivator for blogging about the trip. I initially thought it would be a great way just to diary things and maybe an avenue or an outlet for our parents and friends and families to check in. Um, Tom's really enjoying the droning and the photography, so that makes it um, easy. I just have to write about whatever we've been up to for the past week. Um, so been relatively easy. It takes more time, I think, than people realize, and uh, just putting it all together and the editing and that sort of thing. But the feedback has been fun. It's been uh, something to keep us busy along the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, th- I think one of the things that's that's great about 
the blog. Um, it's very well written, but also the photography and the fact that you've you've got a lot of drone shots on there um, makes it very unique for a looping blog because you really get um, a much larger perspective of the things you're seeing and doing. So I, I uh, compliment you on that. You've both done a great job on that, as well as the the part where you can track the trip, as Tom said, and kind of look a little bit at the ex expenses gives a lot of great information. Um, and the URL for the blog is firstmatekate.com. Is that correct? That's it. Well, we um, encourage everyone to check that out. Like I said, it's a very well done blog. Um, Tom and Kate, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your story. I think it's a unique Great Loop story and that makes it uh, extra interesting. And I think you'll kind of inspire some others to rethink about waiting until retirement to do this. So thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks appreciate for having it. us. Yeah, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.